After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to this week's edition of the Baseball America College Podcast. I'm Teddy Cahill. Joining me is my colleague, Peter Flaherty, and we are here to recap the first week of college baseball and get ready for the second weekend uh, to come here this weekend. Uh, I am slightly under the weather. Uh, The weather where I am is rainy, but uh, Peter, it's, it's just been great to have college baseball back um the midweek slate was like i am as you know if you've listened to this podcast before i'm not a big proponent of midweek baseball but it was just kind of fun to have like oh like yeah it's like three o'clock on a on a wednesday and like we can we can watch some some baseball here and like i feel like that's like my perfect engagement with midweek baseball uh not like terribly like analyzing every little bit of it just being like yeah more baseball to watch and there was plenty of baseball over the weekend everywhere except for florida where i was but it was uh it's just been great to have have college baseball uh back and and to be able to to flip on you know the old espn app anytime i want basically now and feel like well they're probably probably gonna be something to watch here yeah you summed it up best it was so great to have baseball back whether it was getting out to the yard myself out in Arizona last weekend for the MLB desert classic. And then like you just popping on the ESPN app and, and flipping through games uh, willy nilly and and trying to keep up with all the action around the country. And then with, with the midweek slate, it was very on brand to start for just midweek slates. It was weird. There were upsets. Um, There were skies falling reactions on Twitter. So we're, we're all the way back, and I, I we are back. Excited. <laughs> we are back. College baseball is back. I had people in my mentions saying that Wake Forest needs to like drop out of number one because they lost on <laughs> on Tuesday night. Like, uh, we're back. We're back, baby. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's uh, let's let's rewind the clock, Peter. Let's go back to to last weekend, and we're coming to you a day later. Uh, I, I guess I'll clean this up right now. Like going forward as uh, as the season progresses, we we want to get this podcast to you a day earlier than you're getting it right now. I had dental work done uh, this week, and I wanted to make sure that the uh, the voice, the mouth, all, everything was was back to full feeling uh, before I went out here and, and talked for uh, for an hour. So it's a little bit longer ago now uh, when we rewind the clock to to the weekend, Peter. But one of the tournaments we talked about. Coming into the weekend, we we talked about it as as being maybe the biggest thing on opening weekend was baseball at the beach hosted by Coastal Carolina. 
And that tournament delivered. Uh, if you like runs, uh, there were a lot of runs. If you like home runs, there were a lot of home runs. And Duke really came out of the weekend as one of the biggest winners across the country, certainly the biggest at baseball at the beach. But uh, going undefeated, uh, they hit 11 home runs in a blowout win of George Mason. Uh, they knocked off Indiana on opening day, and then they finish it off with a nice win against Coastal. Hard not to be impressed by what Duke did. The offense was, for me, the most notable thing. Um, you know, I, I Duke last year really made its bones on the mound. And so it was nice to see them pitching well in an offensive ballpark against some good offenses. It was great to see Jonathan Santucci back out there after he was injured for so much of last year. But that it was a very different looking lineup. Uh, they brought in a lot of newcomers, just a lot of turnover after last year. They they have several grad transfers in their lineup, and they really hit the ball this weekend. And basically, I mean, everyone hit, but like the newcomers really hit. And I thought that was one of the more encouraging signs uh, for Duke this weekend. Like, it's great that they pitched as well as they did, um, especially in a very offensive environment. But I, I thought, for me, the bigger thing was seeing them swing the bats the way that they did. From this chair, at least, of the teams ranked in the top 25, and I think there's an argument to be made for Oregon State as well, especially after its win yesterday or two days ago now over Texas Tech. Um, Duke had the best weekend and loudest weekend of, of any team, arguably in the country. I think that you hit on it where everyone knew they were going to be able to pitch it with Santucci and Andrew Healy. And now it looks like Andrew Weaver may have established himself as the Sunday guy or third starter. Um, and then they have a loaded bullpen with Fran O'Shell, James Talon and other pieces. But the question was the offense. There was no doubt the pitching would keep them in, in a lot of games and, and win them a lot of games. But in order for them to achieve that high ceiling, guys would have to hit. And they did, more than that last weekend they hit 16 home runs as a team most notably they had that 11 home run onslaught against george mason and people look at the 23 to 5 score over george mason and and maybe slight the patriots a little and say that you know it's just george mason and duke is duke and you're playing in a launch pad at springsburg stadium but George Mason threw Connor Eaton who's going to be a draft guy this july and george mason is fresh off a regional appearance they return a nice core on offense. Like they did not beat up on like sure it was a lesser opponent, but it was not any, it, it was not a rollover by any means. Um, so I, I thought that was obviously super impressive. And then they notched the two wins over Indiana and coastal Carolina respectively against Indiana. That was a, that was quite the way to start the college baseball season. When you get Santucci at 11 AM and he came out and looked really good and, um, they came through with some timely hits and, and everyone in that lineup, at least to this point has hit the Ivy league transfer that they, they seem to hit on every season. Now, uh, that looks to be Logan Bravo. Um, he's a power threat from the right side. He's hit well, both, both of the baseball at the beach tournament. And then also yesterday in a nice little midweek win over Liberty. So they're off to a great start. If the offense can sustain this production, I don't think they're going to be hitting 12, home runs 12 to 15 home runs every weekend but um if they can continue to get contributions from guys up and down the lineup uh this team becomes a heck of a lot more dangerous and a heck of a lot more better than i even thought they would be coming into the year and and i thought they would be really good coming into the year we were 
identifying the second best team in the ACC behind Wake Forest was a little bit of a challenge. Like, you know, we, uh, we talked a lot about that when we were ranking the, the top 25 and ultimately we settled on Clemson and Virginia being right behind them. You know, I'm, we're not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say like, I've changed my mind. Like both of those two teams are, are undefeated. However, the, the, the big overall point I have here is that we'll get to Wake Forest in a second. Let's just say that they're still the number one team. Um, but like what we have behind them in the ACC is a little bit messy. And I think there's no, there's plenty of room for a team like Duke to pop up and maybe they're going to be ready to do it the way that they've played the first week of the season has been really impressive we're not going to, they're going to go away for a little bit here. Uh, you know, they played Northwestern this weekend, Akron the following week. And we're really not going to think about Duke again until the calendar flips to March and they open ACC play at Wake. But that is a really intriguing series all of a sudden. And, you know, I, I just think for, for Duke to be able to start the season, notching the wins that they did, it, it spoke volumes. And I think it does put them in a little bit of a different conversation as, as we try and, um, arrange ACC teams here at the, in the early part of the year. Yeah. And, and it's a little bit down the road, but it's two weeks away at this point, but Duke very well could be heading into that um, Wake Forest series, either undefeated or with looking like maybe one, two max losses. If they have game. two losses, I'd be surprised even like, I mean like it's baseball, but like they, they should not be losing two of these games. Right. That's what I was going to say. So they're looking to head into it with a strong record. I know we each have, like you said, we have our opinions on Wake Forest in this minuscule sample size, but that series looks, I mean, that's going to be a big time litmus test and barometer for Duke as to where they stack up with Wake, who in their lead up to that series, um, they also play a bunch of lesser opponents. So I but again, with what happened on Tuesday, you never know. But again, the, both of those teams are going to be heading in with really good records. And I think it's going to establish, at least in the early going, the top dog in the ACC. On Coastal, they go one and two, not the weekend they would have wanted, especially at home. However, I came away relatively encouraged. Gary Gilmore said that he saw more encouraging things than negative se- negative things. Uh, after the weekend, and I, I have to agree with that, uh, they did not hit as well as you would expect them to. I have to think that'll come around, and also they're facing a really tough uh, pitching staff in Duke in one of those games. But the the question about Coastal right now is their pitching staff. They were not good on the mound last year. They have to basically redo the whole staff. Uh, and I think they saw some positive things there. Riley Eikhoff, uh, on opening day through six hitless innings against Mason, Alexander Meckley, a junior college transfer, he was pretty solid against Indiana. Um, didn't go deep enough in the game, but it's opening weekend, whatever. And then Trevor Hinkle and Will Smith, who are both graduate transfers coming in with a lot of experience, they combined to strike out seven of the eight Duke batters they faced. Uh, so, I mean, you're starting to see the skeleton of the coastal pitching staff take place, you know, come together. And if coastal can find the six to eight guys that they need to rely on, uh, you know, that that's really what the non-conference slate has to be about for coastal. Like, yes, they need to get the wins and yes, it's coastal. They 
they have aspirations of hosting, so they need to make sure their RPI stays solid and everything. But the biggest thing that they need to do right now is just find the right guys on the mound. And I, I thought they were starting to do that uh, on opening weekend. One of the teams in the field, Coastal or Indiana particularly, one of them was going to go one and two. And there was really not going to be much concern about it, just given the quality of, of competition in the baseball at the beach field. And it turns out it was coastal, but like you said, I wasn't one, not concerned and two, almost like in a weird way, as encouraged as you could be, I guess, after two loss weekend, especially for a team like coastal, if they were losing shootout type games, like 15, 12 or 10 to seven or, or whatever it might've been, I, I would have probably been a little bit more concerned. Um, but the fact that they are pitching it well so early on, I think is super encouraging because guys on that offense, they have so many weapons that can beat you and hurt you in so many ways. You're going to be able to keep them down for long. Like Derek Bender didn't have a great weekend. He's going to hit. There are other guys in there too, like Ty Dooley and Blake Barthol, especially who's yet to get going. And then at the top, unsurprisingly, it's been Bodine, and Antonacci and Beach who have, um, who have hit the ground running, but one guy on the pitching staff that I am probably most excited about for them. And is, I think the best pitching prospect they've had in a while um, is true freshman, righty Cam Flukey. He has been nails in his first couple appearances. He most recently in their midweek win over UNCW struck out six and in two innings. And then against Indiana, he struck out four and in two innings um, he's got an elite fastball, looks the part on the mound. Like it would not shock me to see him kind of thrust his way into a potential weekend role, maybe down the line, but like he is so effective in a, out of the bullpen in those one to two, maybe even three inning spurts that I don't know if they'd want to touch that, but certainly looking way, way ahead. That's I think where he fits best, but no, I I'm not concerned at all about coastal, especially after they bounce back with a nice seven to two win over an always solid UNCW. I think that was a, a nice little statement in the midweek by them. And then this weekend they have a, not a tournament per se, but a multi team kind of event also at, at Springsbrook where they get um, Illinois and then ball state and Cincinnati. So it'd be a nice, um, I think they have a two to three win weekend in them before a, a really tough midweek against Campbell. But I think the bats are going to come around and I'm most excited about the pitching because if the pitching can keep them in games again, um, kind of like Duke and its offense, this, it becomes a lot more of an interesting club, assuming they start to hit. Indiana goes two and one. We moved them into the top 25. I just thought it was a nice weekend by the Hoosiers. Like I didn't think anything like terribly stood out. Uh, I just thought they played good, solid baseball. They lost to Duke. They bounced back real well from that. Uh, to win the next two games, they it, it just seemed like they were very businesslike. Things happened that you figured would happen, like they they hit well. We're still going to have to see how the pitching staff develops over the course of the year, uh, especially that Friday night spot. Uh, but I, I thought that I thought the Hoosiers just played a nice weekend against some really good competition. Yeah, you summed it up best. It was there was nothing too loud in in either direction. I think the one thing that stuck out to me was um, Connor Foley in his first taste of the rotation. He threw well, four shutout. I think with 
seven strikeouts and then the guys that you thought would spearhead that offense in Carter Matheson, Devin Taylor, um, Tyler Cerny, and even Josh Pine to an extent, they all hit really well. There were a team even coming into this year. We were on the cusp of ranking. And so the fact that they won two of three, it was a pretty easy choice to to thrust them into the rankings, especially with what else happened around the country. And that Duke loss was a close loss. And it was with Duke throwing Santucci. So um, that's, you know, even more of a quality loss, or as quality a loss as you can get. There really aren't quality losses, but um, everyone listening knows what I mean. And then... <laughs> They had a nice midweek win over Miami, Ohio. And not to look ahead again to next weekend, but I have that Frisco Classic circled for them um, because I figured that a series win over Baylor is in the cards for the Hoosiers this weekend and then assuming a win over Purdue-Fort Wayne. And then you look at March 1st to the 3rd where they have Bama, DBU, and Arizona. I think that's going to be a, a how-good-are-they type of weekend for Indiana and if they can again you know scratch two wins out of it uh, that's going to be a huge testament to the talent that they have but I'm already confident enough in them as a club I I I think that they are certainly you know a a regional type team but um, they they played well on on both sides of the baseball in in Conway all right we alluded to Wake Forest a couple times here let's uh let's dive into the Deeks Wake Forest played, you know, one of those multi-team things at home on the weekend. Uh, Nothing all that interesting happened. Well, I shouldn't say that. They took care of business. They they won their three games. They they did fine. Uh, The the big thing out of it was Chase Burns looked like the best pitcher in the country. Not terribly surprising in itself, but just really good to see him go out and like average 98 on his fastball in uh, in an opening day start. He uh, he went out and, uh, you know, just he, he went out and did his thing against Illinois and, and Wake Forest beats Fordham, Illinois and Akron. They outscored opponents 28 to eight. The the thing about this weekend, though. Uh, was they didn't hit terribly well. And Peter and I, uh, when we were getting ready to rank teams on Sunday, were like, you know, Wake Forest's offense was, uh, wasn't really a thing this weekend. Uh, but, you know, we we move on from that. And then Tuesday happens, and they go out and they lose 4-3 to three at UNC Greensboro. UNCG is a tough team to get a read on. That's a quality program year over year. But this year, in a little bit of turmoil, as... Um, Head coach Billy Godwin stepped down uh, to become a scout with the Yankees or go back to being a scout with the Yankees. He had some health issues uh, over the last couple of years. And so UNCG has got an interim situation going on, you know, like they were not picked well in the SOCON preseason uh, poll, but I, it's just hard to get a feel for exactly what UNCG is this year. But Wake Forest also just had a tough time on Tuesday night. They, the, their offense right now has not clicked. They're not. They're, they're doing a good job of drawing walks. Like on the weekend, they drew fifteen walks in, uh, in in a in those games. Um, they're they're doing that more than they're getting hits. And like you know, early on, you know, you're playing teams. If you're Wake Forest, you play teams from the north. They, they bring them down and. 
you know, how much, how would, how ready are those teams to throw strikes? How much do those teams want to throw strikes against you and your, you know, supposedly really good offense anyway? So like, maybe it's a good thing that you're sitting there and taking your walks, but at some point, like they need to, they need to really start swinging the bats and we're four games in, I'm not freaking out by any means. However, um, they're, they're going to need to find some offense because part of like they have the best rotation arguably in the country. They have the makings again of having the best pitching staff in the country. They do need to score runs at a relatively high level uh, if they want to be the number one team in the country. Yeah. And this past weekend there were three, zero. they were out hit by both Fordham and Illinois. Um, I think the story of the weekend for them though, was obviously chase Burns who like you said was, outstanding and just the the stuff he flashed was super super loud but um it was a little like like you said it's so early to be so reactionary and it's a supremely talented lineup like i have the utmost confidence that guys like nick kurtz and Seaver king are going to start to hit merrick houston will produce more than he has been um but i certainly did not have them being out hit in their first three of four games that included um, Illinois, Akron, uh, Fordham, and UNCG. And then the loss to UNCG, um, they were held to just four hits. And like you said, UNCG is a, it's a strong team on an annual basis. Um, But at least early on, like, you know, that's not a team that's going to out hit you five to four, at least with wake, but I'm not going to change my tune yet on the Deeks, that would be just irresponsible given the talent they have and and just how early it is. But um, I'm very interested to see how this lineup comes into form. If it comes into form um, in the next week and a half to two weeks before ACC play starts, because um, in looking at the schedule, it is competition that they should seemingly roll through. Um, But I will most be encouraged if I see a couple of those offensive outbursts that I think everyone was kind of waiting for this weekend, I think that going into the year, um, at least in looking at their first weekend, people were expecting a, a fireworks show at, at the couch and they kind of got it a little bit on Sunday against Akron, but again, out hit by Fordham out hit by Illinois lost to UNCG. Um, like I am, yeah, I'm I'm just very curious to see how they look going forward because um yeah, the the offense right now is a is a little bit questionable and I'm kind of like guys around Kurtz and King and Tellier and I guess Ballestero to an extent, there will need to be a couple of guys who who need to step up and see an uptick of production. And whether it's Merrick Houston or or Jake Reinish returning to form or Austin Hawk, brother of Tommy. Um, that's to be seen, but some of these guys are going to need to step up going forward. Yeah. I mean, we talked about them losing Brock Wilkin and just, you know, what that means for them, but you know, it, it's a little bit like, well, you got to replace Tommy Hawk. There are just so many guys that they have to replace. Uh, they got to find the right mix. And I'm not that concerned with the bullpen, which I know has not been as good as the rotation to this point. I think, still really like the depth there even without Cole Rowland uh who's who's now injured but 
the the offense weirdly weirdly enough like this place is supposed to be rake forest but now i have concerns about where the offense is uh and they'll probably figure it out uh they'll probably be really really good still uh but this was not the first week that uh that they were expecting to be sure no not at all and again i'm i I am confident in them figuring it out there's too much talent there not to and i think that once Kurtz and King start to to find it a little bit, that's going to provide a huge boost. But um, I am really, really curious to see who ends up being like the Lucas Costello equivalent or Adam Cesari equivalent of this year's team, because those guys were maybe a little bit underrated when it came to prospect status, but they were key pieces and productive pieces at that for last year's team. And I don't think that they make it as far as they do without those guys. So um, I will be watching the Deeks closer than I thought I would have to be watching them against teams like Dayton, UNCA and T and Binghamton going forward. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a tough thing. Like you lose guys like that on the portal, like Danny Corona going to Missouri, Cesare transferring as well. Like, you know, you just kind of assume like, well, there's a reason why they're transferring. Like they wanted to, to play position that they're not going to get the opportunity to play or whatever it is, but you just assume Wake Forest is going to be okay without them. But uh, those are a lot of at bats that, that have to be replaced. And uh, yeah, like you said, Peter, now something to watch early on. Uh, we, we didn't expect to, to be talking so much about Wake Forest in the first month of the season, the first three weeks of the season anyway, but, uh, but here we are and uh, something to definitely something to watch as, uh, as, as we move into this weekend. Uh, with that, let's uh, let's flip this a little bit. Let's uh, let's go to the second weekend. Uh, we're gonna take a look at some of the games and series and tournaments to watch around the country here in a second. But first, check this out. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't a search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. That's why I use Indeed for our hiring at Baseball America. It allows me to do everything on one website. I get quality candidates. I can schedule them. I can interview them. I can screen them. I can send messages to them all within Indeed. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Just go to Indeed.com slash Baseball America right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Baseball America. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. 
You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. All right, Peter. Second weekend. Uh, the place to be this weekend is the Dallas Metroplex. You've got a tournament in Arlington, unnamed tournament. I don't even want to get started on what's happening with, with that situation. But anyway, uh, in, uh, in Globe Life, they're going to have Arkansas, Oregon State, Michigan, and Oklahoma State. Uh, very intriguing. Uh, they did it right with the schedule and you'll get Arkansas and Oregon state on Friday night. That's a great headliner for the day. Top five matchup. You also have TCU hosting UCLA over in Fort worth and Dallas Baptist newly minted top 25 Dallas Baptist is, uh, is at home as well. So uh, great weekend of college baseball in the Metroplex. Uh, let's start with the, the tournament in, uh, in Arlington. You've got, Oregon State playing supremely well. You've got Arkansas playing pretty darn well opening weekend, but not without fault. Not without fault. Uh, Oklahoma State uh, stunned, maybe stunned is too harsh, uh, upset at Sam Houston State last weekend and uh, Michigan an up and down weekend out in Arizona. So an intriguing group there. Uh, the, the place to start is obviously the Arkansas-Oregon State showdown, and it is just one game, but... I think that's what a lot of people are going to be focused on this weekend in uh, in Arlington. Yeah, I mean, I've had that matchup. We even talked about it before last week's show going into opening day, how this was the matchup we were probably most excited about in the next two weeks. And both of these teams in the early going have lived up to the hype. I'd say Oregon State maybe has even exceeded the high expectations they had coming into the year. Um, they have... They've looked about as holeless as you can look um, in the early going, and they're a perfect 5-0. and They most recently knocked off number 17, Texas Tech, on Wednesday. They soundly beat them 10-4, to and the offense has just been a, a juggernaut. They're, they are 8-9 to nine deep right now of guys that can really beat you and can beat you in a lot of ways, um, and that's even without Elijah Hanlon getting off to uh, a good start. And he's someone that I think is going to be a key player for him down the road. But obviously it starts with Bazana, all world second baseman. He's been unbelievable in the early going true freshman. Trent Caraway has hit the ground running the trio of outfielders and Micah McDowell, Brady Casper, Gavin Turley. They've all gotten off to hot starts. And then on the mound, I think you have to be encouraged with how Aiden may looked in his first start. He was He's kind of the X factor, I'd say, of the pitching staff. Obviously, he's the Friday guy. Um, but last year at Arizona, it was a little up and down. Yes, it was. he was pitching in a way more hitter-friendly park. Um, but he still got hit around a little bit. And he has the stuff to, to be a Friday ace in the Pac-12. And he flashed it in his first outing with a, a fastball in the mid-90s. And then he supplemented it with a good slider. And then 
you know, the, the bullpen has been nails behind all the starting pitching and the starting pitching itself has been really good in the early going, but um, outside of a couple of appearances, the, you know, the bullpen for, for more or less has been spotless. So it is looking like a really, really complete team. Um, arguably the most complete team, at least early on in college baseball, um, they can be they're They're fine and well-equipped to get into a slugfest. They are well-equipped to get into a pitcher's duel. Um, they're comfortable going into any type of style of game. And I think that this, this Arkansas tilt on Friday night, like I am, I am so excited for it for so many reasons. I'm excited to see how Hagen Smith bounces back after he failed to, to, to get through more than one inning against James Madison command kind of eluded him and he got hit a little bit. Fenwick Trimble tagged him for a three run home run. They made him work. I, again, I'm, I'm not concerned about anyone after one start, but obviously it was eyebrow raising to see Hagen Smith get off to that kind of start. But I mean, this is as good of a test as he can get. So I'm curious to see how he bounces back. Arkansas, outside of a, a kind of a dud of a game where they fell flat against James Madison on Sunday, they're three and one. Um, they're swinging it well. I've been particularly impressed with how the transfers have done so far. Hudson White, Ty Wilmsmeyer, um, and Jared Sprague Lot have all been key contributors. I I've especially been a fan of Wilmsmeyer. He's kind of that like Adam Tellier guy that we talked about in the preseason pod and on week one where you see a team add someone like that in the portal and you're not necessarily going crazy because it might not be the biggest name, but then you dig a little deeper and he's a guy that can help you out in so many ways. And he's done exactly that. He's, he can go and get it in center field. We saw him make a spectacular home run robbery. He has good barrel awareness at the plate. He's hitting well, he can run. Um, like his fingerprints are going to be all over the box score, game in and game out. Behavo Loy has, has shown flashes. So this is a this is a big time showdown um in Arlington that I think is at least in the early going like I think it'll tell me a little bit about about each club. I'm also just a little curious in, in both cases this is going to be their first time on the big stage this year. Um you know the they certainly have big crowds in uh in Fayetteville and or they draws a ton of people in surprise, but like this is going to be a little bit different. There are going to be a lot. There's going to be a lot of heat there from a scouting standpoint. You're in a big league ballpark. Just like who manages the environment um, better, I think is uh, is going to be going to be key here. But uh, nice, solid opening weeks for both of these teams, and uh, things ratchet up a little bit here uh, in Globe Life, Oklahoma State did not have a nice solid opening week. They, uh, they got beat at Sam Houston state, um, twice, uh, in, in the first two days of, uh, of that series, they bounced back, uh, nicely, uh, in, uh, in the finale and, and really got a get right win. And then they, um, they beat Abilene Christian on Wednesday. So, like that's all well and good. I actually came away a little bit encouraged uh, considering the results. We had a lot, we ranked Oklahoma State. We were maybe I don't know I don't know if we we're totally out on a limb. I don't know who else joined us in ranking Oklahoma State coming into the year. But like the big question about them was how are they going to pitch? Well, they actually pitched pretty well at at Sam Houston. 
um, you know, if you if you look at it, it was really more the offense that that undid the pokes. You know, if if you told me last week that Oklahoma State pitching was going to hold Sam Houston to eleven runs on the weekend, I would have been like, so that's a series win. Did they sweep? And it wasn't like that at all. But like, I, I think that Sam Garcia, they need a little bit more out of him if he's going to be the Friday guy. But Jansen Kenzel Keisel on uh, on Saturday pr- pitched well. Brian Holiday pitched really well on Sunday. If like that rotation can settle in like that, I, I think that I'm not I'm not worried about where Oklahoma State is at all. Uh, this weekend's going to be a tough test for them, no doubt. You know they start with Michigan, but then they got to play Arkansas and and uh, and Oregon State. But uh, I I long term I feel okay about where the Cowboys are. It's a little bit of kind of how I and how we feel about Coastal to an extent, at least after the first weekend in midweek. Um, yeah, the bats were quiet, but they did pitch well, which, like you said, was the biggest concern coming into the year. I'm curious to see where he ends up on the weekends going forward because Jansen Kiesel is the best arm on that staff. He is the best stuff. Um, he's obviously the, the most highly touted draft guy. Um, but I'm curious if there's any reshuffling because he looks the part and has the stuff to boot to be a Friday guy. And then going forward again, the, the key for them to, to achieve their upside is is the offense coming around, which to this point I'm not overly concerned about. I think Nolan Schubart, like he's got to clean up the swing and miss. There's no doubt about it. Um, but, I mean, I think he's going to hit way better than the 250 clip he's at going, he is going right now. Um, Carson Benj is off to a great start. Lane Forsyth, Mississippi State transfer, is also off to a good start. Like, there are guys that are contributing. Um, they just really haven't produced I, produced runs at a high clip. They've only hit three home runs. Um, they're typically a team that kind of can beat you with a long ball. Um, so I, I'm curious to see how someone like Kiesel, who – I think is lined up to throw against Oregon state. And then you have Brian holiday against Arkansas. If they can come away, even with, if they come away with two wins, if they can come out somehow come away with a series win an equivalent of a series win um, this weekend, I think that's a huge way for them to write the ship early on, because I still think it's a good team. I, I'm with you that we may have gone out on a little bit of a limb in ranking them. I don't think anyone else joined us as far as I know. Um, but I, again, I, I'm curious to see how they look this weekend because it'll be a good barometer early on for like, just how good they are. Like, are they going to be competing to host again? Or are they going to be kind of um, a perennial or a weekly top 25 team? Or are they going to be more middle of the pack? Because um for my from this chair i still think in the big 12 it's virtually tcu and everyone else now uh briefly here on michigan they split a four-game series against western michigan um in arizona that's not encouraging um the two losses were in extra innings i guess you can take that as mildly encouraging uh western michigan I think was picked third in the Mac preseason poll. So I'm never going to disparage Mac baseball. However, Michigan needs to be better this weekend and they've got to be better on the mound or they're, this is not going to be good for them. I was not sure what to make of the Wolverines coming into the season 
opening weekend did nothing to encourage me, I would say. They got to find answers here in a hurry because after this weekend, they're going to California and, you know, for the whole week. And they have USC, LMU, UCLA, UC Irvine, and San Diego. And like that has the potential to be an absolutely brutal road trip. Then they go to Coastal. Like it's a really tough first month of the season and Michigan has to find some answers here. Otherwise, it's it's seriously going to snowball on them. Yeah, you you put it perfectly. This is quite the the stretch they have upcoming not only this weekend but you know in the week week and a half ahead because it like there are no easy ones for him and I guess last weekend Dylan Vig was it was and is the most highly touted arm on that staff they were raving about him this fall he was their top performer he was allegedly up to 98 coming into the year command was scattered he got hit a little bit and then offensively, outside of Jonathan Kim, who I, I think is he's a really good player. Um, he's a quality defender in center field. He's got a great feel for the barrel in the box. Um, he's excellent. He's not the issue. I outside of him, I'm really curious just to see where like anything comes from. USC upstate transfer Cocaruso is a good player. If they could get Greg Pace to take a step forward, I think that would be big as well. Um but this weekend is, and going forward, but especially in the short term, um, this weekend is it's it's got a chance to be a bear. Um, and I'm, we're not going to sit here next week and really fault the Wolverines for losing to Oregon State and Arkansas. But I'm curious to see just how well they compete in these games and if they can maybe even steal one from Oklahoma State and catch them in a in a vulnerable spot on Friday. But yeah, it'll be. Tough sledding for the Wolverines in the next couple weeks. Over at Lupton, we've got TCU hosting UCLA. Um, UCLA moves into the top 25 this week after sweeping Gonzaga. TCU swept uh, Florida Gulf Coast on the weekend. But Peter, that was the hardest I have ever seen anyone work to, to sweep a team. Gulf Coast uh, had TCU on upset alert like all weekend long, was not able to pull it off. Uh, the bullpen uh, faltered, uh, but like if they were six inning games, man, like the Eagles were all over it. <laughs> I don't know how, like FGCU is a, a solid program. They've got quality players like Ian Farrow is really good. And like, I mean, we can run through a lineup, but whatever. They're They're good. But that was not what you wanted from TCU. It's nice that they, I mean, it's more than nice that they fought through it and that they got the sweep. But they're going to have to play a lot better, not only this weekend, but going forward if uh, if they're going to, to figure it out. I, I mean, obviously, learn your lessons and wins, like, for sure. But for a team that was tabbed as the the big 12 favorites, like that was not the opening weekend anybody thought was coming. And the heavy favorites at that, like the chatter in the preseason and even like still now it's really just when you're talking about the big 12, it's TCU and everyone else. And they, I, I think yeah, like I'm great... the only Texas believer out here. I feel like, you know, mo- <laughs> they are, they're number two. Like everyone has them as like, well, that's, that's the second best team in the big 12. And, but it's like, well, but like they're so far away from from where TCU is. And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, I really like the Horns, but like, yes, like that is that is definitely the perception of the league right now. And like Texas Tech is like, well, you yeah, know, they're a nice team. And 
uh, well, maybe Kansas State will do something. But it's like nobody is talking that way about TCU. It's like, yeah, o- Omaha, man. Like that's 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 where TCU is supposed to be. Right, exactly. And like like you said, and it was such a perfect point. Like you want to learn your lessons and wins. And they're at the end of the day, they're four and zero, which is all that matters. But this is about as hard, I think, as a team can make four and zero look. Like on Friday, they went down six runs and came back to win in walk-off fashion and i was like wow that's a nice win and then they go down six runs again on saturday i'm like wow gcu fgcu is gonna is gonna steal one here and then they blow another lead and then they were down six five in the sixth on sunday and then they scored six six runs in the sixth to complete the sweep um the offense hasn't been the issue um they're hitting almost 350 as a team they've laced 18 extra base hits um they're getting contributions everywhere anthony silva and carson bowen are guys that unsurprisingly have hit well in the early going but i think the story so far is true freshman chase brunson um he's seven for 13 with five rbis and his four extra base hits are tops on the roster um but i i think i will most be paying attention to how the rotation responds after a tough opening weekend Cole Klecker and Peyton Tolley, they both allowed four runs in their three innings pitched. Zach Morris allowed four runs in as many innings. Um, the bullpen is kind of the bright spot. Obviously, like unsurprisingly, Ben Abel has been lights out. He's two for two in save opportunities. He's, I mean, he looks like how he looks how everyone thought he would look, like one of the best closers in the country. Um, and then Zach Coyer has also spun four and two thirds shutout innings, but like this weekend, if I don't even know how much of an upset you can call it, but like if there's a team on upset watch, at least for me in terms of like losing a series and a standalone series, it's probably TCU because UCLA was an intriguing team coming into the season for a lot of reasons. Obviously the, the freshman class is the best in the country. We have them ranked as such. Um, and then they have some inter they had coming into the year and still do obviously interesting pieces outside of the star freshmen. But the question was going to be how they performed, namely like Cody Schreier, who was a little bit injury ridden in 2023. He had a great first weekend. He went seven for 12 Deuce Gorson picked up right where he left off. He went four for 10 with a couple of home runs and then changing tune to the freshman like rock chalowski went four for 12 he looks very comfortable in the early going he's a a slick fielder on the dirt like that infield is is outstanding and then on the mound like luke jewett got hit around a little bit but michael barnett and finn mcelroy were each excellent they allowed just one run across their combined 10 innings the bullpen is well rested so they're they're coming into this weekend at full strength and i if they can pitch it i don't know offensively if they could quite keep up and and get into a shootout with tcu like a a a high single digit or low double digit shootout type game but i i think that pitching staff from what i saw last weekend it's going to be a huge test with how good tcu can can swing it but from what I saw last weekend, that pitching staff, I think, is going to keep them in games this weekend, obviously, and then going forward in a Pac-12 that, from from where I sit, oh, outside of Oregon State, outside of Oregon State, I, I think the Pac-12, you, could, you could slice it any way you want at this at this stage. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, the Pac-12 did not have a great opening weekend. Uh, you know, UW went to Long Beach and didn't win a game. Uh, USC looked bad in the in Arizona. Um, Oregon looked fine. Uh, uh, Stanford loses a series to Fullerton. Like, you know, we're not going to overreact to one weekend, but it, it was not a like, oh boy, look at the Pac-12. Um, so yeah, like there's room for them. And I don't know how good Gonzaga is this year. Uh, that's TBD. Uh, but I know what they are as a program and that's they're they're usually a solid team. And so I, I feel good about what UCLA accomplished. Uh, and I think that it was notable how well that they pitched because weirdly the strength of this UCLA team, at least from a depth standpoint, is the offense. Like we are used to John Savage having, you know, all pitching and defense teams and not not being like a, an offensive juggernaut by any means. Uh, but they actually have, like, they got a really good lineup. And yeah, I don't know if they can keep up with TCU, uh, but also they might be able to uh, just give in TCU's own struggles on the mound and, you know, Lupton plays relatively offensive. So uh, if they if they have to get into one of those 10 to 9 games, the way that TCU was playing them last weekend, like UCLA might might be able to be there. Uh, but like, that's not the kind of baseball UCLA really wants to play. And I think that makes it all the more intriguing for TCU because UCLA is not going to make mistakes, uh, and, and gift them runs. So TCU is really going to have to go out and earn it this weekend. And I think that makes for uh, a fan, uh, you know, a really fantastic series and, and one that should be pretty interesting just from the, the contrast of styles and, and everything. We got ECU and UNC. This is a cross-state series. They're playing one game in Chapel Hill, uh, one game in Fayetteville at the uh, minor league stadium, and one game in Greenville. ECU swept uh, swept Ryder over the weekend. They took a midweek loss at Campbell. Uh, UNC has been rolling against lesser competition to this point. Uh, love this rivalry showdown. Uh, really interested to see... Uh, both of these teams. I'm looking forward to learning more about UNC. Uh, ECU, great opportunity here. You know, they played a better team given that Ryder was an NCAA tournament team a year ago, but also like a step up in competition this weekend to be sure. Um, The big news from really around college baseball, but certainly from ECU over the weekend was Parker Bird, who made his collegiate debut like 19 months after a boating accident uh, that he had to have, I think it's 22 surgeries in 45 days, uh, ultimately including a partial amputation of his right leg. He uh, made a pinch hit appearance on Friday night, becoming the first player in division one history to appear in a game uh, using a prosthetic leg. He took a five pitch walk, uh, very emotional moment for not just him, but really everyone uh, in Greenville. His teammates have, uh, some of them were on the boat with him uh, when he had that accident before his freshman year. I mean, they've really, EC's done a, an incredible job of of helping him through this recovery and standing by him and and, and all like that. And, and it was a really cool scene to see in uh, in Greenville on Friday night. I don't know where where it's going to go for from here uh, with Parker Bird. 
Uh, I expect to see more of him throughout the season. That is what Cliff Godwin has said anyway, uh, but certainly a, a really cool moment on Friday night. And then ECU kept that momentum rolling throughout the the rest of the weekend. And it's it's going to be a fun series this weekend as these two uh, as these two rivals get together uh, across the state of North Carolina. Yeah, before talking about the series, I think that the the most special moment of the year, um, without a doubt, is and will be um, Parker Bird's return of the diamond, or just even stepping into the box. Um, the fact that he was able to do that after such a, a scary accident and and all that he went through. Um, you know, it gave me chills watching it. It was incredibly emotional. Um, it speaks to the toughness of him and, and, you know, how hard he works and the fact that, you know, he, he was able to get back into the box was, was absolutely incredible. So, um, I am really looking forward to seeing a lot more of Parker Bird and, um, he is an invaluable member of that ECU team, both on and off the field. So, I'm really excited to see how he contributes in his um, three to four years with the Pirates. But um, going to the baseball itself this weekend, I'm really, really fired up. Uh, There is no doubt that ECU is going to be in both teams will be, but I I have no doubt that ECU is going to be incredibly up for this series. Like they are, they always play with a huge chip on its shoulder. Um, They, I mean, they always want to beat like the bigger schools and especially the bigger schools in the state, like UNC and and NC state. And I think that they have a golden opportunity here to get a bounce back series win after a, a hard fought one run loss to Campbell, which was a really well-played game on both sides. But um, that one, two punch they have of Trey Savage and Zach root is dynamic. Um, And then at the dish, they've got the offense has kind of been spearheaded at this point by Jacob Jenkins Coart, who I've been encouraged with his start after a a little bit of a dip in production as a sophomore. Nothing that was crazy or or eyebrow raising, just it was a fall off from where he was as a freshman. But he's hit the ground running. Carter Cunningham is swinging the bat well, Um, but they can early on. They're really, really throwing the ball well on the mound. I know that they lost, I think, seven to six it was to Campbell, but their team ERA right now is one point two nine. They've allowed just five earned runs. Again, it starts with the Savage and Root, but they've got a bevy of weapons in the bullpen as well who can who have been throwing it well and, and can throw it well. Um, and then flipping to UNC, like you said, they're 4-0. It's been less stiff competition, I think. Like you said, Ryder was a regional team. Wagner was not a regional team. Um, they cruised to a sweep. They scored 46 runs across three games, and then they had a nice 8-7 win over Elon, and Elon is – Again, they're always a quality team, and that's by no means an easy win to get on a midweek. So um, that was a nice win. And then offensively, like they're like they're that whole lineup is raking right now. They're hitting 362. They're averaging four extra base hits a game. Um, Casey Cook is 10 for his first 16. Alberto Zuna's blasted a couple of bombs. And then Parks Harbor, um, Georgia transfer, has been really good in the early going. And then obviously, you can't forget about Vance Honeycutt, um, all-world defender in center field. Um, some question marks at the plate, but he's got three home runs to his name already. He's flashes plus power. And then I was curious to see how the pitching staff kind of took shape after they were dealt a tough blow when Jake Knapp was ruled out for the season. 
Um, but it, on opening weekend, in his absence, a pair of freshmen I, I thought had really, you know, productive starts, especially Folger Bowes. He allowed just one run in five innings, and then Nolan Johnson looked okay in, in two and two, two and two thirds innings. He's someone I think that they can feel confident about going forward. And then in the bullpen, um, Dalton Pence has kind of been their go-to guy. But I I'm super super excited for this series. I love you know when in-state rivals face off, and then obviously you have a ranked matchup with number fifteen ECU and number sixteen UNC. It's sure to be a very like not high tension, but, um, very, I think high energy series. Um, I, I, I kind of lean towards the pirates here taking two of three. Um, I like the pitching staff a lot. I, I'd give him the edge on the mound. And then I think the offense is going to be able to hit enough to, to lead him to a series win. I think that's fair. We had ECU ahead in the preseason for a reason. I am really encouraged by like like I'm just feeling a lot better about UNC right now and like that's completely unfair because uh just because ECU lost to Campbell like okay that's fine it's a midweek loss at Campbell whatever uh but like just what UNC did coming out of the gate was it was really impressive um you know we can say like uh, Wagner is not not that great and like that that's probably true but a lot of teams played teams that aren't that great and they didn't do what UNC did. So I, I was very impressed by UNC's weekend and I am really intrigued to see them against better competition and against better pitching because that is what they're going to face this weekend in, uh, in ECU. Uh, last one uh, that I wanted to focus on here is uh, I, whatever they're calling this tournament in Jacksonville. Jack's, Jack's college, college classic. <laughs> you Whatever. can't say Jacksonville. It's Jack's. It's Jack's. Uh, it is hosted by the AA Jacksonville uh, Jumbo Shrimp in that ballpark. And you've got Virginia going down. You've got Auburn, Iowa, and Wichita State. I think this field is really, really intriguing. Obviously, we're high on Auburn with them in the top 25. I'd like Oklahoma State. I don't know how many people joined us in that one. Uh, but Auburn looked really good against Eastern Kentucky, and I feel good about it. Joseph Gonzalez uh, pitched well in his return. Uh, he uh, he hadn't pitched in a year, uh, at least in a competitive environment. Uh, he looked really good on opening weekend. Uh, UVA took care of business. I mean, UVA plays well at home. What, what am I supposed to say about that? Wichita State, you know, coming in, uh, first-year coach in Brian Green, a lot of intrigue there. And then Iowa uh, had a nice first week. Brody Breck did Brody Breck things. He uh, he threw 101. Uh, he threw some balls. Uh, we'll see where that goes. Marcus Morgan looked pretty good as well on Saturday. Uh, Iowa did lose the finale in their their opening weekend tournament, but still a nice two and one opening weekend. And the competition now ratchets up here. I I think we're going to learn a lot about all of these teams. Uh, I don't know how much we've learned at this point about any of them, uh, which is why this weekend's uh, tournament becomes all the more interesting to me. Yeah, it's it's a stacked field with three teams inside the top 20, and then you've got Wichita State. I You summed it up best. For whoever can come out of this weekend going 2-1 and one or 3-0, oh, <clears throat> you can slap a big for real label on them, I think, going forward pretty comfortably. I'm most interested to see how a team like Iowa stacks up against 
UVA and Auburn, I'm particularly excited to see. I think, oh, I think UVA plays Iowa on Saturday, and and with that, you get Marcus Morgan um, against the Who's. That, that is I, correct. Unfortunately, we uh, we don't like Joseph Gonzalez pitched on Saturday. We'll I'll assume that that he'll continue uh, in that role. So he he missed. He doesn't get that matchup, but we do get Marcus Morgan against Virginia. Yeah, I think that's going to be a a super super enticing matchup because Brody Brecht, like you said, it was a very like it was a super on brand outing for him. Like struggled with command at times. He did kind of get into a rhythm um late in the second inning through his fourth inning but um struggled to find the zone at times but also flashed his thunderous stuff marcus morgan looked really really good in his first start um i know he was someone that the coaching staff was really excited about coming into this year there was even talks that he might even earn the friday role coming out of um fall practice and in the first practices of the year but um, offensively, I'm excited to see if they can get any production outside of Sam Peterson, who is, I mean, he's off to a roaring start. He's 10 for 16. And then Raider Tello, who's seven for 18. I think that they're going to need a few pieces to step up around them to, if they want to come out of this weekend with the equivalent of a series win. Um, and then with UVA, they struggled on the met, like they're kind of like TCU, but to a lesser extent, I'd say they swept Hofstra last weekend, but like it was not, they really didn't make it look pretty or, and they didn't make it look easy outside of Evan Blanco. The starting pitching really struggled, especially for Jay Wolfolk, who like he's, it's an adjustment period for Wolfolk. Like he's coming from a full-time closer role and in making the shift to the weekend rotation, but he really struggled to throw strikes. Um, so I'm curious to see how the rotation shakes out for the rest of the year. Um, but the bullpen for the most part has been excellent. Um, and then the offense as well has been really, really good. Griffo Farrell's off to a blazing start. He has doubled his home run total from last year. I love just saying that because he only hit one home run last year. He has two. <laughs> um, Harry Ford, or I, I think, or Henry Ford is going to be the, I, I think the next, great hitter to come out of UVA. Um, he has looked outstanding in the early going. Um, he's eight for 15 after yesterday's win or two win two days ago over ODU big six, five kids, super physical. And then Harrison did um, who was our pick to click for the who's he's also off to a great start. So I think that again, like for so many of these teams, it is a, like they're going to have a couple of big tests. And then with Auburn, they're also 4-0. Starting pitchings look great. Ike Irish, Chris Stanfield, and Cooper Weiss all hitting really well. Carson Myers, UAB transfer, looked particularly good. Um, I'm curious to see early on just kind of how for real at least Auburn is. Like I'm not going to drastically change my tune on them if they were to go 1-2 and two this weekend, but I am like I would be a heck of a lot more excited and bought in if they can notch like two wins this weekend and the same goes for any of these teams, but I think especially for Auburn and Iowa, um, I am most looking forward to seeing what they can do and how they stack up against really stiff competition. Auburn. Um, interestingly, uh, you know, Cooper McMurray goes is one for 13 right now. They need him to get going. 
you figure he will but like it's been more of the younger players that have done it like bobby pierce is not fully locked in yet and and mcmurray not locked in yet and i feel like you know those are those are two of their veterans they'll get there uh it's not like bobby pierce has been bad but like he's uh he's a guy that that they're going to count on and i i it's a big weekend for the tigers on that they play iowa on friday they leave the rotation alone and i'm assuming they will that means chase also matches up against Brody brecht and peter where are you at on chase also that that is a really interesting matchup because both of those guys have big stuff but like have had some issues you know nobody's gonna walk away from it and be like making definitive opinions for in us in the scouting community but a lot of guys are gonna be there and a lot of people are gonna be looking at chase also uh in a different way that then maybe they they do uh and that's gonna be true as long as he stays on friday night but like this is this is a big spot for him yeah no it's a it's a huge spot and he'll have a ton of eyes on him obviously he's got a a big time fastball in the mid to upper 90s with riding life through the zone um he pairs it with an effective slider also dumping a curveball um he's a it's a big time live arm for me it's like at least at this point, he is a fourth to to seventh or eighth, fifth to eighth round type guy, like a, a nice middle of day two pickup. But I mean, in the early going, this is a golden opportunity for him. Like he'll have eyes on him, like you said, anyways, throughout the year, just um, because he's a he's a solid prospect in his own right. But in squaring off against Brody Breck, this is a golden opportunity for him to really i think bolster his stock and to establish himself um and then with brecht like the the question the the million dollar question multi-million dollar question i guess um is if he's a starter or a reliever and i know that in the off season there was encouragement in the strike throwing department he developed his arsenal a little bit more um, he was around the strike zone, but at least on Friday against Seton Hall, and again, it's one start. I'm not going to, like, you can't really make a ton of judgments off of one start. It looked more in the same like last year, and we hit on it. It's loud stuff, but poor strike throwing. Um, so I am curious and will be extra encouraged if Brecht is able to throw more competitive strikes kind of hone in his loud arsenal because right now I think there's significant reliever risk for as loud as his stuff is. It's arguably the best in the country. Um, it comes with, um, significant questions. And I think that he can put a lot to bed. Um, should he string together uh, a handful of starts in a row where he's able to last deeper into games? Um, again, the competitive pitch rate ticks up because last week, he allowed one run and notched 11 strikeouts, but he couldn't make it through the fifth inning. And like, that was kind of the story last year as well. Um, he had a couple of longer starts to his name and a few to his name, but um, his pitch count just got driven up so high from the, from the walks and getting deep in account. So um, it's something he'll need to work on going forward, but circling back to also like this is a, a big time pitching matchup. It's two guys with, with serious stuff and um, it should be a lot of fun to watch. I am interested this weekend as well in looking at Virginia's arms. Um, you know, yes, they swept Hofstra and, you know, we just made a lot of TCU having to work really hard to sweep uh, Gulf coast. Uh, Virginia worked not quite as hard to sweep Hofstra, but they did work at it. 
Um, they blew them out Saturday, but the other two games were two run wins for Virginia. Some of that is just Virginia's bullpen, not slamming the door on Hofstra. Uh, but that is just something to watch here. Just like can Virginia, Virginia has a new look pitching staff. The lineup is there's some newness to that as well, but uh, Virginia had to had to reset some things after losing a lot of their their pitchers to to pro ball, uh, and so this is a this is a big test for them. You know they'll they'll start with Wichita State, but then how do you match up with Marcus Morgan on Saturday, and then how do you match up against uh, an Auburn team that should be able to hit pretty darn well on uh, on Sunday? Yeah, no, it'll be. I mean, it's going to be a really really fun weekend, and again, it's. I think in the early going, it's a, it's going to be a really good barometer for, for where all these teams stand. And I'm excited to see how they address some of the early season question marks that hindered them a little in week one. All right. So that is our week two uh, highlights. Peter, is there anything that you're excited to watch or intrigued to watch that, that we haven't, uh, that we haven't touched on yet? Yeah, there are a handful. Um, I'm excited to kind of keep tabs on the Round Rock Classic. That'll feature Kansas, Kentucky, Texas State, and Washington State. Um, quality four-team field there. Gonzaga at Vanderbilt. I'm excited to see how Vanderbilt looks against a Gonzaga team that we said um, is always solid and is by no means a, a pushover. Um, I'm also excited to see Sacramento State at UC Santa Barbara. UC Irvine at Tulane, and then a really sneaky, underrated one. A couple of them: UConn at Cal. Um, Cal is off to a like a a pretty solid start. Um, they just had a nice midweek win over BYU. Um, they won a pair of games in the desert. It's an exciting offense, and if they can pitch, and they're going to get Ian May back um, in the next few weeks, I think um, he's coming off Tommy John surgery. That becomes a lot more of an intriguing team, and I think. You know, for lack of better phrasing, UConn is UConn. Um, they've been the class of the Big East year in and year out now. So um, if the Golden Bears can take two of three, uh, that will um, be a lot more validating in terms of, you know, just how good they are. And then Wright State at Oklahoma is another one. Um, Oklahoma, I think, is a sleeper club this year. And then Wright State is always good. So um, those are the other series that I'm excited about yeah i like that right state at oklahoma one as well oklahoma was uh was intriguing last weekend uh in arlington i uh i have my eye on indiana state uh they are playing really well to start the year um this weekend not their toughest competition with uh, michigan state and then marshall but this is a team that's off to a 4-0 start already picking up right where they they left off last year and uh so that that is an intriguing uh team to watch and then you've got navy and air force in kinston and uh, i like to shout out any time we get the service academies playing against each other because those are always fun series um and so they've uh you, you've got the, that one taking place in uh in kingston north carolina this weekend uh this is probably literally the least we have ever talked about the sec on a baseball america college podcast so uh quickly uh to uh to fill in some of the gaps although we did talk about auburn and and, uh, and arkansas uh big one in starkville 
Uh, Mississippi State has not been very good so far. They're two and three. Got Georgia Southern coming in, uh, and that's a team that can beat you. So uh, it's, uh, that's definitely one to watch. And then, um, yeah, I mean, that's really it for me. Uh, Columbia and and, uh, and Florida might be something. Uh, Florida went 0-1 last weekend in a goofy rain doubt weekend. They lost on Friday to um, – to St. John's. Now they got a different team coming down from New York. Uh, we'll see how they how they handle that one. But Florida looked fine against North Florida in uh, in a midweek sweep. Uh, and this will be Columbia's first game because the Ivy League did not play last weekend. So uh, a little something to watch, but not a not a big something to watch there in Gainesville. And not to interject, um, one that's a great call in Columbia and Florida because I think that is a very under the radar series to follow. Columbia is always at least recently they've been kind of the class of the Ivy league, certainly right near the top. And then um, I'm curious to see if they could maybe steal a game from Florida. And then also just because of how Ole Miss has looked early on, um, I'll be also seeing how they do and, and following how they do against high point. Um, they're off to a kind of a, like a dud of a two and three. Oh, it's start. not good. It's not good. Yeah. They, <laughs> They split its four-game series with Hawaii with one of their wins coming in 13 innings on opening night. Um, now, I think Hawaii now. can be solid, and four games in Hawaii is not easy. However, that was not that was not the opening weekend they wanted. Right. It's not a terrible loss. Just how, like, the, the midweek loss to Arkansas State is also, like, that's not a game you want to be losing by any means, but Arkansas State looks to be pretty good this year. Um, but again, you lose four to two, you get out hit, you get held to five hits. Like I, I'm, I will be very curious to see how they look this weekend at high point and if they can kind of right the ship a little bit. We're watching the Mississippi schools, not for the reasons we typically watch the Mississippi schools, I would say, but we're, uh, we're watching them. And then, I mean, if you're, if we're talking Mississippi here, uh, Southern Miss, uh, a really intriguing series with, uh, with Missouri State this weekend. So that's actually the best series of the, the big three in Mississippi. Watch all of them. All, all, all three of those have, uh, have, have a, lot of, a lot of intrigue around them, I would say. Uh, all right, that's a podcast. Uh, thank you all for joining us. Uh, we're looking forward to another great weekend of college baseball. Make sure to follow along on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Ted Cahill. Peter is at Peter G. Flaherty. Uh, We'll have plenty to read over at BaseballAmerica.com both throughout the weekend and then next week when we have a new edition of the Top 25, Off the Bat, and uh, the College Hot Sheet, which also made its return this week um, with Peter and Carlos taking the lead on that one. Uh, So make sure to check all of that out. Subscribe to Baseball America. Subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can find Baseball America, the Baseball America podcast on any place where you find your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc., make sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. And we will be coming at you weekly throughout the, the college baseball season here throughout the spring. Uh, so look for us on, on Wednesdays or Thursdays, typically uh, throughout the uh, once we settle into a schedule throughout the season. So for Peter, I'm Teddy. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.